Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast with me, British host Peter Pratt. Thank you for joining me on Sunday edition of Locked On Marlins. And we are coming at you truly daily right now. Episode will also drop tomorrow with Sean Barrett for sure. Recapping on some of the news. But guys, listen, this episode I had to hop on on my own. The immediate thoughts I should have recorded last night, but... In all honesty, I'd had way too many wines, <laughs> way too many wines. I would have been slurring all over the place, going crazy. Could have been quite fun, actually. But listen, the news dropped. Twitter was blowing up. It was absolutely blowing up. I was getting tagged all over the show by different guys, Braves fans. Uh, there was fantasy guys all interested in what the news means. But the news I'm talking about, Jorge Soler, Solar Power, the Cuban Missile. I'm not sure that's a nickname, but anyway... Uh, the Marlins have a Cuban player. That's a good thing, uh, just as a side note. Soler signs with the Marlins. It was it was talked about. We could hear the rumors going. It was brewing. The dominoes were starting to fall all around uh, the corner outfield market. Phillies had, had got Nick Castellanos. Jock Peterson gone as well uh, over to the Giants. Uh, Rosario's signed. It was, it was starting to get thin for the Marlins, and they still needed a power bat. And so they dip into the free agent market. Bruce Sherman said, we will spend, we will spend. And they have spent some money. Got in Soler, who is the reigning and current MVP from the World Series. And I must say, as soon as the news dropped and Twitter was blowing up around this news, I was, I was just getting tagged in tons of, of clips of that bomb during the World Series from Soler, and it was an absolute blast. I'm not sure it's landed yet. It was so, so big. It was, it was wild. And that's, you know, listen, I looked at that, and I was getting kind of Giancarlo throwbacks. It was that, it's that kind of power. Like, no doubters, the, the standard is a no doubter. And that's the kind of way that the Giancarlo used to be, where it just, if he made contact, if it wasn't uh, if he wasn't swinging on a on a slider low and away, um, you know that those boys them them balls are absolutely flying out of here. So big big news for the Marlins dropping on a Saturday evening. They make they make the splash, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time just kind of digging into uh, what it means. What it means. What are the kind of knock on effects? What are the questions it raises? Because it does raise questions. Because the reality is, it wasn't a. Yeah, the question is: Is where's he? Where's he going to play? Where's he going to fit in the lineup? Where's he going to fit in? You know, in the outfield. What's it mean for for Garrett Cooper? What does it mean for Jesus Aguilar? What does it mean for Jesus Sanchez? Like a lot of knock-on uh, impact to this Soler signing. But broadly, I like the move. I was happy with the move. We needed another bat. We absolutely did. And Soler. You can look at war stats, and this is what I put out earlier. Look at his career war. Like His career war is like under four. Career war. <laughs> that includes a season where he led the AL in, in home runs. Um, so he's a legit power threat. Very similar in, in some ways to, to Adam Duvall. Duvall was a better fielder, and I actually think Solaire... Uh, contact-wise, is is slightly better than Duval. Duval's strikeout was was significant. The batting average was never great. I think Soler is actually probably an overall better hitter than Duval. Definitely not as not as good in the field. I think that's the that's the key difference between those guys. In reality, the Marlins right now. I mean, the Braves are going to roll out, I believe, with with Adam Duval in center field. 
and that you know it's another interesting wrinkle here that actually the Marlins would have you know been happy with that right now. We would have probably been happy with Adam Duvall, um, you know, at, at whatever that arbitration number is, we would have been happy there. Maybe we're happy with Alex Jackson still. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, but still that deal haunts us. It still haunts because the Braves are going to roll out with with Adam Duvall. The funny thing too, a lot of Braves Twitter all onto me expecting that uh, come July. Uh, there's there's a pathway for Soler ending up back as a Brave towards the deadline, uh, very similar to the way that that Adam Duvall played out. Where it was with the Braves, the Marlins signed him and then traded him back to the Braves uh, for Alex Jackson. So, yeah, plenty to get into on this one though. It's a really intriguing signing. Uh, in terms of the contract itself, three year deal, but as per the I guess the modern method, they followed the the Carlos Correa method, three year deal but with two opt outs. So effectively. Uh, 12 million uh, guaranteed for this year, 15 uh, into the next, uh, and then 9 million with some some kind of plate appearance uh, accelerators. I think an extra 4 million perhaps included there. So, yeah, it's an interesting structure of the contract. Uh, Danny the Godfather kind of called it out to say that, uh, you know, you, you probably wouldn't expect Soler to outgrow 15 million going into next year and opt out of that unless they, he has a stunning year. I mean, listen. If he has a stunning year, then then I'm all for it. Um, let's, you know, if he outplays and outperforms that contract, then great, great. I mean, he's gonna have had to put down what a two-three war campaign for him to probably opt out. Um, I'm not convinced. Well, considering his career war is under four, I'm not convinced that'll happen. So, you know, it's an interesting structure. I I, I think going into the third year at nine million, perhaps. Um, you know, I think the way probably in Soler's head it will be, listen, we've got one year. If I have a stunning year, I'll opt out or if things go sour, I can opt out. But most likely we see this as a two-year commitment between him and the Marlins. I think that's the most likely outcome right now. I'd be surprised if this contract uh, is fully seen out in its um, in its current form. Wait and see on that. But, you know, when you kind of look at the type of player he is, uh, in reality, he's a DH then I think that's the interesting bit with Soler right now is he is a DH. You could play him in right field, but he's terrible in right field. Really terrible. And I was banging the Phillies uh, yesterday on this to say that they're basically just, they keep signing you know, corner outfielders that are, that are DHs. Uh, and effectively, the Marlins have done the same. It felt to me that the Marlins already considered Garrett Cooper kind of locked into that DH role. And so that this signing is interesting. Does it mean... Does it mean that actually they're going to play Soler in right field and all he's going to be expected to do is to catch routine fly balls and, you know, he's got a good arm, but, you know, in terms of the the, the defensive runs saved and the the, uh, the defensive capability, it's it's not there. It isn't there. So, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's like, do you put him in right? Just let him spend some time out there. Do you then flip, you know, Jesus Sanchez over to left? Also, Jesus Sanchez, let's not forget, he's, he's spent already in spring. Uh, he started in center field. So the Marlins are maybe considering that anyway, that, that Jesus Sanchez perhaps becomes the center fielder. Maybe. And then you leave Avi Garcia out in left field. I mean, there's really a lack of, a lack of mobility perhaps in the outfield. The outfield really, if those are the three starters, which you could definitely assume that those three would start right now. In some sort of mix in terms of positions, Avi, Jesus, and uh, Soler with Coop DH in and Aggie at first base. That's perhaps like your opening day lineup. The other thing I've been pondering on is, yes, 
Jesus Sanchez had a he definitely had a nice you know end to the year clearly the thing with with numbers and with Jesus Sanchez like a, a lot of teams you know there's a lot of tanking teams knocking around last year for sure you know then there's a lot of games in the division against the Nats and the Phillies were were kind of a bit up and down too and the Mets I mean the NL East itself it, it was it wasn't a great division and we obviously play a lot of games against the East Jesus Sanchez looked like he you know, played well, had some good numbers, but I've got a slight question mark there and a slight seed of doubt in some ways. Actually, no, what am I talking about? I'm expecting Jesus to go absolutely bananas. I can see him going crazy. He loves life. I can just see him absolutely tearing it up 30 bombs this year. So I'm not I'm not worried about Jesus whatsoever. And actually, this is the question. Is Jesus Sanchez or is Avi Garcia the best option in center field? And I think that is maybe what the Marlins will have to work out right now. Daniel Alvarez said to me that he didn't want to see Avi Garcia anywhere near center field, not for the defensive capabilities or deficiencies, but for health. Protect Avi, keep him in the corners. Jesus is the younger dude, the more mobile dude. Perhaps he better fits moving into center field if they don't make any moves. And I guess that's the question to you, Marlins fans. If this is it from the offensive side, are you happy? How would you grade this lineup right now? I guess that's for us to ponder on. Um, guys, before we uh, before we kind of carry on, it's time to let you know about our first US ad with a British twist of the day, and it's our guys over at Bet Online. And it's that time of year as college basketball's tournament is fully upon us. From the latest odds, contest, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your betting, your sports betting needs and info. Can't speak. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source. For all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting, favorite Vegas casino games, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So that, you know, I think when you look at the lineup, guys, this is this is the point. You you end up with some serious pop. Serious pop. If everyone can play and you can kind of get by the defensive uh, problems, there's... How many guys are in this lineup now that have the potential to hit over 25 home runs a year? Even 30. Jazz Chisholm, I'd put in that bracket, for sure. Garrett Cooper, for sure. Jesus Aguilar, perhaps. I think the power for him, he's kind of turned into a bit of a different hitter um, more recently and has started, you know, he's looking, you know, he's more contact and opposite field, you know, RBI king kind of kind of approach rather than just looking for bombs away only from Aggie but listen Aggie's still got power he's a big dude he's a big strong guy so we can absolutely put Aggie in that in that bracket for sure and then you've got uh, clearly Jesus Sanchez that I've mentioned Avi Garcia is a no-brainer like he's it, the power's insane too there we've already seen it um, and the same for Soler so all of a sudden you've got what six guys six guys the you know 25 home run a season but uh, power potential perhaps Brian Anderson, I, I don't think I'd quite put him at that tier, but you know, there's 20 bombs there in in, in BA's bat. Miggy can chip in for 10, perhaps. Stallings, another five to eight. You know, it's it's a lot more of a potent offense than than it was, but I think the, the thing that makes me nervous is well the fact that a lot of these guys just miss so much time and these lineups on paper look great. The lineups look great. On paper, they do. And this is the funny thing. Everyone's putting their lineups out there going, hey, the Phillies are loaded, the Mets are loaded, the Braves are loaded. But 
this is you know what do we see? Injuries kick in, and it isn't just about one to nine. It's about what the depth is. Do you have the depth around to handle the injuries? The interesting part is what the knock-on effect will be from Salah being added to the 40-man and obviously the 26-man once things get going. We saw uh, Heran Canacion uh, with an absolute nuke, no-doubter, uh, in, in spring on, on Saturday, just before the, the news broke. You know, and so I guess with the DH now, you've got like a guy like Encarnacion sat there in in, in AA, AAA, let's say, but now becomes pretty blocked, I'd say, uh, within the Marlins organization where running out of options, he was added to the 40-man a few years back, protecting him from the Rule 5. I guess the Marlins are in a similar spot uh, to where they were with, with Conine this year. And, you know, they were a different type of organization at that stage and decided to protect... Encarnacion, he probably wouldn't have been selected, but nevertheless, someone could have taken a flyer. Um, and the Marlins this year kind of went a different approach and decided, hey, we're not going to protect Conine. And we don't think he's ready. Encarnacion wasn't ready when he was added, but you know because the talent wasn't around, they thought, hey, why take the risk? But coming back to Encarnacion, it, it's a really interesting uh, period for him in the this DH situation creates opportunity for him it really does but also the Soler uh, signing does block him and so you know could he be could he be expendable we obviously saw Monte Harrison was DFA'd I think that's been planned for some time I'm not convinced that they've given up on Encarnacion yet so I'd be surprised if they if they you know had to DFA him maybe they look to try and trade him uh, he's definitely he's definitely got some some power tools for sure um, so you know, wait and see on that one. I'm interested to see what this corresponding you know move is. But you know, I guess looking at it slightly differently is maybe you know they're gonna they are gonna sign Soler and, and and DH him in the main, which they should absolutely be looking to do. <laughs> the the defense is so poor. Um, you know, maybe they look to move on Garrett Cooper or Jesus Aguilar, one of the two. Uh, Aggie's on an expiring deal. Let's not forget that. And so, maybe there's other other trades in the works. You know, Garrett Cooper still multiple years of control on him. We're all talking about him. I had a lot of guys in the fantasy uh, industry messaging me yesterday as well, uh, directly trying to work out because they can see what we can all see with Cooper that the DH is going to create this opportunity. He's a very very underrated hitter, both in fantasy and in in real life, and the talent's there. Other teams will know that. If fantasy guys are seeing it, other teams will be seeing it. And so, you know, it's not totally out of the equation. The Marlins, you know, if they do look to upgrade elsewhere, i.e. center field and go and get a true out-and-out center fielder, the Garrett Cooper is part of that deal. How would you feel about that if Coop was, was moved? <clears throat> I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting dilemma. At the same time, what about Aguilar? He's, like, he's on that expiring deal. He's more movable than most, let's say. He's a talented guy. He's a great clubhouse guy. And that's the thing with Aki. We should not forget just a top clubhouse guy. So, I don't know. I mean, if the Marlins are happy with the budget number, I don't think anyone has to be moved. And you just kind of cycle around the bats. Keep health. Keep the health. Prioritize health. Cycle around Coop, Aggie, um, Avi Garcia, <clears throat> Jorge Soler. Like, kind of just cycle around. Keep everyone... Keep everyone healthy, you know, a couple of days off a week for everyone. It's all good. Like, I'm I'm completely for that if it's, you know, if it's going to help protect guys. Because it's a long old season. The 162 is is a long, 
long season, no doubt about it. So, yeah, it's it, it's a signing that came... I wasn't shocked by it. There was definitely some reports around this Soler move. I like it, personally. I think it's a nice move. The Marlins, they had a power bat, and they haven't given away any prospects, and they've got a relatively low-risk contract structure associated that's not going to block anyone in the future. And that's the, the final point I'll make now, just before we finish up, is... <clears throat> why they're going down this pathway, the Marlins, why are they considering these types of players and these deals, is because there's a wave of guys coming. Um, before we do that, it's time to tell you about our final ad of the day, US ad with a British twist, our guys over at Built Bar. And listen, have you tried those puffs? If you haven't, what are you doing? You've been listening to this pod for weeks, for months, I've been telling you about these puffs, and you're missing out one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. The first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Fluffy marshmallowy. Not just a protein bar, they're a treat. Covered in 100% real chocolate. All built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yep, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Yep, 100% real chocolate. <laughs> Say it multiple times. Um, get yourselves over to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 if you like what you're hearing. And get 15% off your order. It's built.com. Promo code LOCK15. 15% off your order. So, the, the guys I'm thinking about, though, is J.J. Bleday. J.J. Bleday has uh, had some time in centre field the other day. Uh, had an RBI double as well in that game. <clears throat> Clearly, it's just spring, right? He actually performed pretty well in spring last year. Lewis Brinson performed pretty well in spring. You know, So, we've got to be careful with, with our expectations. But I think I like, I like the way the contract is set up because it's a low-risk Low low amount of years, good amount of dollars. And the reality is if J.J. Bladé can turn himself... You know, if he, There's a way that J.J. Bladé is playing centre field by June or July for the Marlins this year. I absolutely think there's a pathway to that. You know, if things don't pan out or someone's hurt, J.J. Bladé is ready to rock and roll. And, you know, maybe the Marlins will let it go. The other interesting part about centre field is, do the Marlins... You know, do they just roll with what they've got now? Do they roll and then they see how the year goes? Because let's be totally honest, the NL East is absolutely loaded on the face of it. So what I was saying earlier, we get these lineups, they look great on paper. Players will underperform, some will overperform, some will get hurt. It's the same old story year after year. So paper means nothing. You've got to actually go and deliver it on the field. And so listen, if the Marlins come out and they absolutely shit the bed, early doors, and the NL East is, is crazy. The Braves kick on, the Mets kick on, Phillies kick on, I don't know. They could be way out of out of contention. And so with that, you think, well, would Brian Reynolds have changed that? I don't know. It depends how things have played out. But it gives, I think you need a little bit more breathing room. I think the problem the Marlins are faced into is there's not many guys available. Everyone knows they're looking for a center fielder, and they know that there's an elite farm. <clears throat> And they're asking for everything. And it makes the price tag extreme. Mortgage in the future, as Kim mentioned. It makes it really hard to pull a, you know, pull the trigger on that kind of deal when you're including guys like Max Meyer, Yuri Perez, J.J. Bloodache, Khalil Watson. Like These are all projected as average to above average. Most of them actually above average major leaguers. For a franchise in a club like the Marlins, it's so hard to move, what, three, four guys 
that are likely to give you six to seven years of cost control above average Major League Baseball for four years of Brian Reynolds and everything that brings. Listen, Brian Reynolds is a, is a good player, but I've got to be completely honest. I haven't really seen a lot of Brian Reynolds. I haven't looked at the numbers. Numbers look nice. I haven't seen a lot of him, but he's been good. I mean, I'm not going to knock him. Uh, he was and remains plan A there, but the price tag is high, so high. What happens about Cedric Mullins? That's the other one. We're all concerned about this. Is it, was it a flash in the pan, this 2021 season? It looks like an outlier for Mullins. It does. But what happens if he starts slow? What happens if he does? All of a sudden, the value that he's built up starts to free fall. It's a really intriguing one. That division is absolutely loaded too. The AL East is pumped. The Orioles <clears throat> have got a real uphill task in that division for many, many years. I think it could be an interesting decision. And I'm going to be really closely watching to see how Cedric Mullins goes in the early kind of couple of months. And all of a sudden, you know, if the Marlins are still in it, can they get, go and get a deal done for Mullins where maybe you know, it starts to fall off a little bit? I don't know. Maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe it truly was a, a flash in the pan in 2021. I don't know. It's tricky. It, you know, I think to summarize, really, the Marlins have added the bat. They can find a way to fit these bats in the lineup right now. Someone will have to play center field because, well, someone has to play center field. Likely, I think it could be Jesus Sanchez in center field. Leave Avi in left and Soler in right field. Cooper Loop, DH, and Aggie at first base. That's how I see things going. And then with that being said, you just see how it goes. Just sit there and wait. Dela Cruz is around to help defensively. John Birdie's around to help defensively. Like, there's guys around that can help defensively. You put the power in the lineup, early doors, get the runs on the board, get the, <laughs> get the shutdown closers in there and, uh, and get the, the defensive replacements in. You know, maybe that's the pathway for it. Um, and you see where you are. You see where you're up to after you know, two months of, of baseball. Uh, are, you, are you contending? Are you not? I mean, I think it felt like in 2021, we knew we weren't contending by, what, a month in? Started so sluggishly, could never get anything going. Too many bullpen games. Like, you just knew that just wasn't going to be the year for the fish. And with that being said, it's like, hey, do you just do you wait and see and see what the market does and then pull the trigger on, on you know, something later down the line? I don't know. I think it's really intriguing how things play out. Um, I love the signing of Soler. I love it, actually. I've come around. I love it. It might be the, the hangover talking. I don't know. But <laughs> nevertheless... It got it got Marlins Twitter buzzed yesterday. There was a lot of fun, a lot of people enjoying signing. I, you know, I, would you have preferred Nick Castellanos for five years, hundred million? I don't know. I don't know if I would have done. I don't know if Nick Castellanos's numbers. I don't know if the bat would play in Miami. I know the bat for Soler will play in in Miami for sure. Like he is, he's a different type of hitter. It's a different type of length. It's a different different type of distance. It's stand and power, and we know. It travels anywhere. I'm not sure Castellanos has that. And again, <clears throat> he's basically a DH as well. We've already got them. So do you want to nail down a DH spot? You know, five years, 100 million. I'm not convinced that's the type of move the Marlins should be making. So I'm happy the way they've gone with Soler. I think you get similar value. It wouldn't shock me if Soler has a better year than Castellanos. Actually, I'm going to put that out there right now. I think Soler has a better year than Castellanos. He may end up trading back to the Braves, but <laughs> nevertheless, I think he does. And with that being said, I think it's a good time to end this episode. I think it's been, it's something we needed. 
as a fan base, we were all struggling a little bit. We needed some moves. Bruce Sherman was out there saying we're going to spend. They spent some more money. They've added the MVP of the World Series. He's a legit guy, a legit power threat. Struggles defensively, but the Marlins will make it work, I think. And I think it gives them a little bit more time, a bit more breathing room to try and address the future in terms of center field. With that being said, guys, I'm out of here for today. Back tomorrow, Sean Barrett joining the show. Till then, stay safe. Back soon.